everybody, and welcome to True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. This is Katie Weaver, and I'm here with my sister, my partner in crime, my co-anchor, Christy Brower. Hello. Hello. Yay, excited to be here. I love recording our shows. I just I have to say, it's so much fun. Especially and when you hear the stories today. we're telling, you're going to be like, you two are screwed up if this is so much fun for you. <laughs> but it, it is. It totally is. I have... I have been down the research rabbit hole for days now on this case and other cases we're covering this week. Just crazy. Me too. And in fact, the case we're covering today, uh, my kids listened to a report on it with me yesterday and then erupted into a huge flurry of their theories and questions. And it, like everyone is now sucked into this place. So right. for sure. But before we get going, mm-hmm. other than, you know, being deeply down the rabbit hole and wildly excited about true crime how are you (laughs) i'm really good i'm really good you know i've been working a lot lately on one of my gigs that i do is i teach people to podcast so i teach Mm -hmm. business owners to start a podcast to promote their business and i've been doing a lot of that lately and it's really a lot of fun um i've been teaching people to podcast for a long time but uh, this is an even more extensive course than I've ever taught before. And it is really fun. I'm enjoying it a lot. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. I've been doing a lot of that, too. Wonderful. I like it a lot. Yeah. Very good. Well, it's been a day of uh, an Etsy day for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Woke up this morning with two orders I needed to fulfill and then immediately had another really big one. And that one, it was so cool because I actually had everything already made. Oh, nice. For it, and so I was able to just pack it up. So yeah, very good. Lots of uh, creative energy today. So, which is good. Excellent. The collective energy actually kind of sucks today. So yeah, it has felt kind of heavy. I thought so too. Yeah, so it's good to do some creative things or things you love to help give you a boost and a snap out of that garbage. Who wants that? Right. No I've been watching serial killer documentaries, so you know, wonderful, creative as well. <laughs> You'll see why later in the story that I, the story I'm going to tell you or present to you, not in this episode, but in the next one. Yeah. Well, and speaking of that, we did have three cases this week that we're super uh, into and excited about. So mm-hmm. Monday, of course, our case about uh, Loveless debuted. The mm-hmm. man who uh, was found, well, the torso that was found, as well as uh, other body parts that belonged to him along the years, and mm-hmm. it was a really in case if you guys haven't seen that yet, uh, Joseph Henry Loveless was the yeah. name of that case. Uh, but today we are covering a case that some of you may be familiar with in a couple of different ways. You might have heard about it, it's possible. You may have also watched the Lifetime movie by the same name. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm going to say this first because I want you guys to understand if you saw the Lifetime movie. And the story that we're about to tell you don't sound the same and you're confused. There's a reason why. Right. Lifetime tried and tried to purchase the rights to this uh, family's experience from them for a movie. And they said no. So Lifetime went ahead and made a movie anyway uh, and changed a few facts to make it not exactly their experience. And it got litigious and it's ugly and it's it's here nor there for the story of the house. But if that is how you are familiar with the watcher house, uh, that's, that's why it's going to be different than what uh, you saw in that movie. So just getting that out of the way. So I don't ruin your experience with uh, 
wondering why the hell we're telling this story when that's actually what happened because that's actually not what happened. Yeah. No. Does that make sense? Did that? <laughs> I, I think it does. Basically, the family did not want to expose their children to more drama than they had already been mm-hmm. exposed to relating to this insane house. Mm-hmm. And so they said no. So then Lifetime mm-hmm. made a story, uh, a movie of a story that was very similar, but not exactly yeah. the same details. Yep. So, yeah, that's why I, I wanted to lead with that in case you've seen the movie. Uh, yeah. it, it's not, it, it, it is based on this family's experience. Details are different. Kind of. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. So this is the story of 657 Boulevard. 657 Boulevard is a house located in Westfield, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. There was a couple named Derek and Maria who purchased 657 Boulevard. They paid $6 million for it. Their dream home. They had been uh, climbing up the ladder uh, financially and had gone through a few homes in the last like 10 years or so. Uh, getting a little, you know, bigger and better every time. And this was like the destination. Yeah. Maria uh, grew up in this town and grew up in this neighborhood around the corner. And so she was really, really excited to bring her children back to her hometown to grow up here. It was a kind of a idyllic childhood for her. And she wanted her kids to have the same experience. Yeah. So they were just about to close on they had just barely closed three days earlier. Mm-hmm. They hadn't moved yet. They were doing some renovations to the house. And so they weren't quite ready to move in when they got a letter in the mail. And it was kind of a clunky envelope with big black letters written on the front to the new owners. And the letter started out sounding kind of nice and then turned kind of creepy. Dearest mm-hmm. mm-hmm. new neighbor. At 657 Boulevard, allow me to welcome you to the neighborhood. I mean, that doesn't suck, right? That's nice. Right? How did how did you end up here? Did mm. 657 call to you? Did 657 Boulevard call to you with its force within? Mm-hmm. 657 has been the subject of my family for decades now. And as it approaches its 110th birthday, I have been put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. My grandfather watched the house in the 20s. My father in the 60s. It is now my time. Do you know the history of the house? Do you know what lies within the walls of 657 Boulevard? Why are you here? I will find out. Yeah. It was creepy. The letter also identified their, what they drove, their Honda minivan. Uh, The letter said, I see you have flooded 657 Boulevard with contractors so that you can destroy the house as it was supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. Bad move. You don't want to make 657 Boulevard unhappy. Very, very creepy. They also reference the fact that uh, they've seen their children. You have children. I have seen them. So far, I think there are three that I have counted. Are there more on the way? Do you need to fill the house with the young blood I requested? Better for me. Was your old house too small for the growing family? 
or was it greed to bring me to your children? Once I know their names, I will call to them and draw them to me. The envelope had no return address. Who am I? The person wrote. There are hundreds of cars that drive past 657 Boulevard each day. Maybe I am one. Look at all the windows you can see from 657. Maybe I am in one. Look out of the many windows in 657 Boulevard that all people who stroll by can see in each day. Maybe I am one. The letter concluded with a suggestion that this message would not be the last. Welcome, my friends. Welcome. Let the party begin. Followed by a signature typed in cursive font, the watcher. (laughs) Oh, man. You know, how would you feel? (laughs) I I think that would have just ended it right there for me. Uh, Yeah. Well, it scared the shit out of Derek. He called the police uh, before he was the only one there. He turned off all of the lights in the house. He called the police. The officer came and read the letter and was stunned. He wanted to know if Derek had any enemies. Derek didn't uh, believe that he did and felt very, uh, the the officer also felt like it was pretty threatening and creepy. So they opened an investigation. They didn't do a lot, honestly. However, uh, yeah, Uh, they did contact the Woods family who they bought the house from Mm -hmm. uh, to see if this had ever happened to them. And it had just a couple of weeks before the house closed, they received a bit of a threatening letter from the watcher, Mm -hmm. but they thought it was just some kind of prank or something. And they threw the letter away. Right. Didn't mention it to Derek and uh, Maria. No, they did not. They had lived there for 23 years and they'd never had anything like that in the past. Mm-hmm. Or at least they claim they didn't. Right. We still aren't sure. Plus also the letter that they received really was kind of more about the new owners than it was about them. It wasn't so much targeted at them. It was more, you know, yeah, acknowledging that they had brought in the young blood that they, that the house had been asking for. Using that term over and over again is really creepy. Mm-hmm. We're referring to people's children as young blood. Yeah. As does happen many times in this story. It's really unsettling. I mean, yeah. you know, it does feel very threatening to kids, Absolutely. to these kids particularly. Yeah. So in the next couple of weeks, they haven't moved in, but Maria is there quite a bit during the day with the kids doing work on the house. And, you know, yells, is very nervous about being there. And while the kids are in the backyard, she's constantly yelling at them to see if she, you know, to see their faces, make sure they're okay. And she's just feeling very unsettled. Well, lo and behold, another letter shows up two weeks later. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This time it's addressed to Mr. And Mrs. Bradis, which is kind of interesting because their last name was actually Brodus. So they were close, but not quite. Yeah, but somehow they got heard it or seen it or some somehow had gotten some information that they could get close on it. Mm-hmm. That tells you something, I think. They must have heard it because if they'd seen it, they would have spelled it correctly. Yeah. Anything? Agreed. Yep. Uh, the letter also said, I am pleased to know your names now and the names of your young blood you have brought to me. 
you certainly say their names often. The letter asked about one child in particular whom was had the writer must have seen using an easel inside an enclosed porch. Is she the artist in the family? This was in the backyard of the house. It was not in the front. Yep. Yep. So the rest of that letter, or or at least parts of it, not the entire letters that haven't necessarily been published. They kind of have if you piece them together from various sites, but Mm -hmm. these are the more important parts. 657 Boulevard is anxious for you to move in. It has been years and years since the young blood ruled the hallways of the house. Have you found all of its secrets it holds yet? Will the young blood play in the basement? Or are they too afraid to go down there alone? I would be very afraid if I were them. It is far away from the rest of the house. If you were upstairs, you would never hear them scream. Will they sleep in the attic? Or will you all sleep on the second floor? Who has the bedrooms facing the street? I'll know as soon as you move in. It will help me to know who is in which bedroom. Then I can plan better. All of the windows and doors in 657 Boulevard allow me to watch you and track you as you move through your house. Who am I? I am the watcher and have been in control of 657 Boulevard for the better part of two decades now. The Woods family turned it over to you. It was their time to move on and kindly sold it when I asked them to. I pass by many times a day. 657 Boulevard is my job, my life, my obsession. And now you are too, Braddis family. Welcome to the product of your greed. Greed is what brought you past three families to 657 Boulevard, and now it has brought you to me. Have a happy moving in day. You know I will be watching. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, it's, I mean, there are some pretty specific threats there. I can see you from every window. I'm going to know exactly where everyone is in the house. Um, you know, you won't be able to hear, hear your children scream from the basement. One thing that's interesting is this person seems to have some pretty specific knowledge about the house itself, mm-hmm. like where things are located and, you yeah. know, just some stuff that you wouldn't necessarily just know from looking um, at a house on the outside. Mm-hmm. I get the impression that they have been inside before. Definitely. Yeah, definitely have inside knowledge of the house. Yeah. It was built in 1905. And when it was built, it was the grandest house on the block. This yeah. has been a mansion that was uh, has been well-loved for, yeah, over 100 years. Well, in that neighborhood particularly is... Uh, yeah, very upscale. Upscale, to use a very Idaho phrase, highfalutin kinds <laughs> of place, kind of place, you know, very wealthy people, um, <laughs> you know, they don't... <laughs> Uh, all them city folks with their book learning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that, that too. Um, yeah, well, but you know, the, you get, you, you, the more you hear about this story, the more you realize that the neighbors do not want any of this problem. They just want this to not exist because mm-hmm. they don't want anything to look badly on their neighborhood. Yeah. One of the things yeah. I thought was weird though, is that the police told them not to talk to their neighbors about it. 
They told the Amanda Woods family, do not discuss this with the neighbors because they are now all suspects. Yeah, but you know who else didn't discuss this with the neighbors? Yeah. The cops. Not for a long time. That would imply to me that the police were going to be speaking to them and they didn't want to give them a heads up about anything, right? Uh, No, that is not at all what happened. They did not go talk to all the neighbors. Only the weird people. (laughs) They didn't talk to anybody else. Mm-hmm. Which you know, it, the whole thing is so ugh, yeah. just yucky, privilege kinds of stuff that they just did not. You know, they thought they could identify the weird people or the less high class people in the neighborhood, and it must be one of them because mm-hmm. they really never pushed through. The vast majority of people that it could have been were never even no. identified, or you know, um, were no. never interviewed. No. No, that's kind of not how things were done in this neighborhood. Uh, yeah, yeah, but uh, that's also how things were not done with the police, which seems yeah. really strange to me. So I mean, much. this is threatening these people's children. You'd think they would have yeah. looked a little harder into all of this. You would, for sure. Well, it scared them enough that they quit bringing their kids around. Yeah. So now weeks and weeks have passed. They should have moved into their dream home by now and been living the life. And they're living with their parents and scared to death. Yeah. So another letter comes in that says, where have you gone? Why haven't you moved in? Kind of taunting them. 657 Boulevard is missing you. Yeah. The speaking as though they're speaking as the house is so bizarre. Mm -hmm. It's really, really weird. So basically they decide that they cannot move into this house. Yeah. They do wonder if it's some of the neighbors. You know, and finally the police do, uh, they look at the Langfords who live next door. The Langford, the mom is in her 90s and several adult children in their 60s live with her. Right. It's kind of an odd situation. They're very odd people. The one... Yeah, they're the weirdos of the neighborhood. That's why the police talk to them. Yeah, (laughs) totally. That comes through very clearly. One of the younger men that lives there, his name is Michael, and they said that he was kind of a Boo Radley sort. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He looked like Hemingway, apparently, but Mm -hmm. anyhow, he was kind of a weird dude and had been known in the neighborhood to uh, walk across people's lawns, peek in their windows, just be kind of creepy. Mm -hmm. So the police talked to him and he completely denied it. Other neighbors said that he didn't even have the cognitive skills to be writing letters like this. Yeah. There was no way it was him. Yeah. So there is, but they did, you know, talk to him. They talked to all of the Langfords and they all completely denied having anything to do with it. Mm -hmm. Uh, There really wasn't much uh, to go on. They did down the road do a, DNA test on the envelope to mm-hmm. discover that the watcher is a female. Yeah. Or whoever licked the envelope. Or whoever licked the envelope. Yeah. Was female. was female. So they actually made one of the Langford sisters do a DNA test mm-hmm. and she uh, volunteered to do it and it wasn't her. Yeah. So the police gave up on the idea of it being the Langfords. In the meantime, the Brodises decide that, you know, they have lost a, big amount of money they have the house on the market they're not getting any leads they decide they're going to sue the woodses for Mm -hmm. not disclosing receiving that letter yeah well what happened is when they disclosed or when they filed suit 
a reporter got a hold of that uh, filing Mm -hmm. and, you know, sniffed the story out. And then there was a media circus around it, Mm -hmm. which absolutely killed their chances of selling the house. Yeah. And so, you know, nobody wanted to buy the house because everybody was creeped out by it. And this is where the, uh, we get into, you know, a lot of media outlets uh, hounding the hell out of this family, you know, bothering them and yeah. trying to buy the rights for the story. Yeah. And this is where their their snafu with Lifetime came in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they set up, uh, they set up webcams. Derek is like, obsessed about it he's staying up there at night a little bit sneaking around trying to catch anybody somebody he comes up with nothing nothing yeah yeah it's just really really frustrating but they just don't dare move in they just yeah. they're afraid for their children as well they should be you know I don't know I told my daughter I think if this was me I would go ahead and move in and call their bluff and she was like oh mom <laughs> <laughs> sacrifice your children to the watcher (laughs) maybe don't go in the basement but yeah (laughs) uh they hired a private investigator who also uh did you know tried to check out the langfords and came up with nothing and looked at several other leads and came up with nothing they hired a former fbi agent to conduct a threat assessment they also really didn't come up with any other uh people Like it just didn't happen. Mm -hmm. It's just really wild. So then they got another letter. Mm -hmm. This letter, the house is crying from all of the pain it is going through. You have changed it and made it so fancy. You are stealing its history. It cries for the past and what used to be, what it used to be the time I roamed its halls. The 1960s were a good time for 657 Boulevard when I ran from room to room, imagining the life with the rich occupants there. The house was full of life and young blood. Then it got old, and so did my father, but he kept watching until the day he died. And now I watch and wait for the day when the young blood will be mine again. Yeah. It, it, you know, it smacks of, you know, old-fashioned serial killer stuff. Mm-hmm. Except it does. nothing ever happens. Like, nothing right. ever actually happens to them in the house or on the property. I just, mm-hmm. when I was researching this, I just kept waiting for the punchline. Okay, something's going to happen. Yep. But it never freaking does. It's just the yep. letters. Right. Now, they still maybe think it's the Langfords. They can't. The problem, one of the problems here is that they were so tunnel visioned on the Langfords. They apparently missed anybody else. Mm -hmm. They have the Brodises send a letter to the Langfords letting them know that they're going to tear the house down to see what kind of response they can get from them. Mm -hmm. And they don't respond at all. They thought maybe that would get somebody to, you know, freak out on them and give them something else, you know? Yeah. In the meantime. Didn't work, though. (laughs) This is, right, this has created quite the mental health crisis for both Maria and Derek. Yeah. Uh, Maria is suffering with some depression and some PTSD-type symptoms and having nightmares and really struggling. Derek has some other, you know, his own mental health crisis happening. Like, this has really muffed them up, you know? 
Yeah. Obviously, it's a mess. Well, so, they can't live in this super expensive house that they're paying for. Yeah. Yeah. Now, at one point, they kind of turn their attention on the Brodises. And some of the neighbors and some of the people in the neighborhood think that it maybe was the Brodises sending the letters. There's a lot of problems with that theory. Yeah. But the Brodises do something that kind of implicates them. So because they are so unable to sell the house, yeah, they find a developer who says, hey, I will tear the house down, split the lot into two lots and build two spec homes and sell them. Well, in order to do that, they would have to get an easement from the planning and zoning because the house, the lot was was very large for the, the neighborhood, but it would be, it would leave each lot short by three feet. I mean, three feet, right? Yeah. yeah. So they get the legal documents together. They go to planning and zoning and apply for an easement so they can make this happen. A whole bunch of the neighbors fight them like crazy. Don't want to see that house torn down. Don't want to see the neighborhood in upheaval. And the planning and zoning committee says no. And the Brodises are furious. After what they've been through, this was finally their answer to get out from under this property and get on with their lives. And the planning and zoning committee won't allow it. Even though during the same time, there was an easement requested right through the block for another property that was going to be quite a bit uh, smaller you know, leave that lot with many more than three feet being lacking and they approved it right away. Yeah. But which, you know, um, I'm I'm on a city board that does the uh, appeals for planning and zoning and they would have absolutely had the right to go back and appeal because Mm -hmm. of that. Had they stayed on it, they Mm -hmm. probably still could have gotten it approved because they can't, um, they're not allowed any any city planning and zoning mm-hmm. is not allowed to give anyone special privileges or to discriminate. And so that's exactly what they did. They should have gone back and appealed yeah. like to the, the board I'm on is called the board of adjustment. I don't know what other cities call them, but they should have gone back and appealed because the fact that they granted the easement for this other group and, you know, they should have also granted it for yeah. them. They're so mad. And pretty soon, all of the neighbors receive a threatening letter. (laughs) Yeah. And it is signed, Friends of the Brodises. Mm -hmm. And these people all call the police because what the hell? And they're getting letters too. (laughs) Yes. And they track it back to Derek Brodus, who says, yes, he wrote the letters. He's very sorry he did that. He just was so angry at the time. Yeah. He didn't tell his wife that he did it. So she didn't even know. No. And then but, everybody uh, pissed off at them over it, and it turns out it was him. It was him. So, again, there is some people, and continues to be some people, that think that the Brodises did this in the first place. Yeah. Um, I don't, and I'll, I'll get into why later, but that's okay. uh, that's an interesting. Uh, another letter comes. 657 Boulevard is turning on me. It is coming after me. I don't understand why. What spell did you cast on it? They had it blessed by a priest. Yeah. What spell did you cast on it? It used to be my friend and now it is my enemy. I am in charge of 657 Boulevard. It is not in charge of me. 
I will fend off its bad things and wait for it to become good again. It will not punish me. I will rise again. I will be patient and wait for this to pass and for you to bring the young blood back to me. 657 Boulevard needs young blood. It needs you. Come back. Yet the lung, let the young blood play like it once did. Let the young blood sleep in 657 Boulevard. Stop changing and let it alone. Yeah. <laughs> it's like somebody read this in a book or saw it in a movie to me. Mm -hmm. And then they're playing it out. Like this just feels like it's almost like I've heard this story before, sort of, you know what I'm saying? Like not exactly, but there is a real feel to this. Like somebody got this idea from somewhere else. This is not something that someone just came up with. I don't think. No, it doesn't seem like that's like a lot it could of movies about houses. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. And, and that this whole story just feels like that to me. Like somebody has kind of taken this idea from mm -hmm. um, horror movies about houses that are haunted or houses that are that have mm -hmm. power and in control. This is like Monster House, you know? Yeah, yeah, kind of like that. That like mm -hmm. there's, it just feels it, the whole thing feels so familiar to me. Like the storyline has happened before. Yeah, I know totally. So eventually, they rent the house out. Still haven't sold it, but they rent the house out. And they make a plan with the people who rented it. The people that rent want to rent it. They don't have any children. Any They, they have grown children. They don't have yeah. any children at home. They have two big dogs and they're really not afraid. Mm -hmm. So they say, yes, we are going to go ahead and move in. And But they put an, uh, an easement in there or a, an allotment in their lease that if any more letters come. No, there haven't been any letters for quite a while at this point. And so now we decide that if any more letters come, then uh, they can get out of the lease if they choose to. Yeah. And they move in and they've lived there for two short weeks. <laughs> and yeah. a letter comes. So Derek yeah. has gone to the house to deal with squirrels that have taken up residence in the roof. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this was written by squirrels the whole time. It might have been. <laughs> this that would make just, sense, actually. This is squirrel behavior. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Through and through. Uh, they get a letter by God, and it says, Violent winds and bitter cold to the vile and spiteful Derek and his wench of a wife, Maria. <laughs> yeah, that, whew. Yeah. Someone's pissed. This, it's now been two and a half years since the first letter. The watcher is pissed. Mm -hmm. Not happy about all of this. Yep. The watcher says, I watched you. As you watched from the dark house in an attempt to find me. Telescopes and binoculars are wonderful inventions. And when they talked about trying to tear down the house, 657 Boulevard survived your attempt your attempted assault and stood strong with its army of supporters barricading its gates. My soldiers of the boulevard followed my orders to a T. They carried out their mission and saved the soul of 657 Boulevard with my orders. All hail the watcher. <laughs> he did, uh, or she did, mention the renters as well. 
Uh, and the renter was a bit spooked, but decided to go ahead and stay if the Brodus has installed cameras around the house. I'm very confused about why there haven't already been cameras installed around the house. I thought that earlier they'd said that he did do that, but maybe you'd taken them down. Fortifying the cameras, maybe. Maybe putting more up or something. Now, one thing that the watcher says is that uh, revenge could come in many forms. (laughs) Maybe a car accident. Maybe a fire. Maybe something as simple as a mild illness that never seems to go away, but makes you fell sick day after day after day after day. <laughs> Maybe the mysterious death of a pet. Loved ones suddenly die. Planes and cars and bicycle crashes. Bones break. <laughs> you might get mildly ill. You'll be yeah. fine. But it won't go away. I don't know. The threats are really funny to me. And, and like it will be a plane, a bike, and a car. Like, right. Come on. So the watcher doesn't this just control. It's also very literary. Like, it's almost like they're writing a book as they're telling these stories. Like, agreed. It's it's very unlikely that they could actually do any of those things. Also, kind of nothing ever issue. happened. It is. Yeah. It's it's fairly old fashioned. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. But nothing ever happened. No one was harmed. No one was even directly threatened, only in the letters. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Their kids uh, have really suffered through all of this because they didn't move into their home. They ended up living with grandparents. The Brodices have been hurt enormously financially. And the kids were teased at school a lot when this all came out, which really Mm -hmm. sucks. But... Uh, they did finally eventually sell the house just recently. Yeah. So in the end of the fourth wet letter, it says, you are despised by the house and the watcher won. So we only heard some of the portions of the letters. I'm going to just read uh, some of the 10 most creepy things that were in the letters. I've already said some of them, but I'm going to read them anyway, so that you guys can just get a good feel for just how creepy and daunting and chilling this whole experience was for Derek and Maria. 657 Boulevard has been the subject of my family for decades, and now as it approaches its 110th birthday, I have been put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. My grandfather watched the house in the 1920s, and my father watched in the 60s. It is now my time. Do you know the history of the house? Do you know what lies within the walls of 657 Boulevard? Why are you here? I will find out. Do you need to fill the house with the young blood I requested? Better for me. Was your old house too small for the growing family? Or was it greed to bring me your children? Once I know their names, I will call to them. And draw them to me. 657 Boulevard is anxious for you to move in. It has been years and years since the young blood ruled the hallways of the house. Have you found all of the secrets it holds yet? All of the windows and doors in 657 Boulevard allow me to watch you and track you as you move through the house. I think that's a huge clue. I pass by many times a day 
657 Boulevard is my job, my life, my obsession. I will rise again. I will be patient and wait for this to pass and for you to bring the young blood back to me. 657 Boulevard needs young blood. Maybe a car accident, maybe a fire, maybe something as simple as a mild illness that never seems to go away, that makes you fell sick day after day after day after day. Maybe the mysterious death of a pet. Loved ones suddenly die. Planes and cars and bicycles crash. Bones break. Will the young blood play in the basement? Or are they too afraid to go down there alone? I would be very afraid if I were them. It is far away from the rest of the house. If you were upstairs, you would never hear them scream. Will they sleep in the attic? Or will you all sleep on the second floor? Who has the bedrooms facing the street? I'll know as soon as you move in. It will help me to know who is in which bedroom. Then I can plan better. Have a happy moving in day. You know I will be watching. Very creepy stuff, but yes. But I mean, say anything in these letters. Like, yeah. None of that has to be true. I mean, the stuff right. about the grandfather and the father. Well, okay. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to prove that that's the case at all. Yeah. You could say that. Anyway, because the Woodses, if we believe them, have never heard anything like this until right before they moved out. Yeah. And I think that's a big clue, too. That mm-hmm. they, If this was really somebody that's been watching this house all that time, there would have been other letters. This mm-hmm. is about Derek and Maria. Mm-hmm. You know... My sense is it's somebody who knows them. It's somebody who already knew the names of their kids and what they drive and stuff like that. That information, the way that it was rolled out in the letters, Mm -hmm. I feel like it was someone who already knew all of those things. Mm -hmm. And the house has been for sale, which means who's walking through? Yeah. Realtors and potential buyers. And Mm -hmm. so anybody could have asked to go through that house. Yep. And then be familiar with the layout of the house. Because clearly they had been. I think mm-hmm. that's pretty clear. But it, mm-hmm. yeah. Any of the other I stuff. I do think that they had some surveillance on the house. Mm-hmm. I do. I, I think there was some electronic surveillance on the house that uh, mm-hmm. nobody caught. I just don't think that, uh, you know. Like I, I feel throw like out some creepy stuff here and there. Yep. Yep. I, I think that was true. I'll give you my take on it. I don't feel like this had anything to do with Derek. I think it had everything to do with Maria. This was Maria moving back to her hometown. Right. And and really her community, because wasn't her parents' house only a couple blocks away? Um, I don't know. I'm not sure about that. In I don't one think thing I read, they far, lived, but they yeah. quite close, yeah. Okay. Uh, she has this coming home of sorts, and she's buying the biggest, fanciest house in the neighborhood. And I have some, and the, one of the things that came up in the letters constantly was greed. This is your, mm-hmm. this is your greed talking. Yeah. I think that Maria was a mean girl in high school. Mm-hmm. I think that when she lived in that neighborhood, that she made enemies. I don't know that anyone that was their actual neighbors knew her. I don't know that they did. I believe that this tracks back to the realtor. The realtor didn't do it. I think the realtor, you know, in talking, Mm-hmm. Passed some on. information to someone else who 
either took it there or they passed it to someone else whose ears were pricked because Maria made their life a living hell in high school along mm -hmm. with her friends. I believe that they are someone who is a writer or is an aspiring writer mm -hmm. and that they saw their opportunity to get back at her and mess with her. And what better way than through her children and through, mm -hmm, and through threatening the, uh, you know, the, this property that she just purchased that is her, you know, crowning jewel. It, this was a huge way to knock her off of her pedestal. I wonder if they really thought that it would go this far, mm -hmm. you know, or that they would go this far. Right. But I believe that the person who wrote the letter did manage to get some kind of surveillance on the house, though I'm kind of a little unclear on what exactly that would be. But I do feel like they absolutely already knew Maria, already knew what she was up to. Mm -hmm. I think that the reason that they had the address or the last name wrong is because she they didn't know her married last name. Mm -hmm. that, uh, they just heard it in passing and that's why it was spelled wrong because yeah. that's all they that that's the way they knew it. Mm -hmm. I feel like for the watcher, it did become an obsession that it, that person did come by this house a bazillion times a day. Mm -hmm. I feel like they absolutely carried a hatred for her that burned hot from being mm -hmm. bullied in school. And well, and that's I mean, really what I think. Even if the police had found this person, what are they going to do to them? Right. They, they really haven't done anything. There, there are no direct threats in those letters. Everything is veiled. Yeah. Um, they never did harm anyone or do anything, you know, mm -hmm. um, if they could have proven surveillance, maybe that could have been something, but mm -hmm. I mean, really they didn't even actually commit a crime. Mm -mm. No, I mean, maybe the, you know, a misdemeanor for, you know, well, and maybe a civil civil service to, yeah. That Derek and Maria could sue them civilly for mm -hmm. the, the financial damage, but really, I mean, yeah. yeah I don't know I, I agree with you I agree with you and I agree that this was focused at them specifically that this didn't have a thing to do with the house mm -hmm. or other people who'd owned the house would have had these experiences as well yeah but that was a way that you, you, this is a story you've heard lots of times in books in movies the house knows you know kind of thing mm -hmm. uh, uh, that's just stealing somebody else's plot totally totally but I do think the watcher got very into their uh, their narrative here. You know, well, look at how powerful they were. I mean, they kept them from moving into the house. Mm -hmm. They kept them from being able to sell the house. They kept them from being able to tear mm -hmm. down the house. Like they yeah. really, yeah. you know, ultimately had a lot of power. Yeah. Well, one of the reasons I think the info came from a, a realtor, a, probably a well-meaning realtor that had no idea, you know, mm -hmm. that they they mm -hmm. start started this. Uh, the first letter was dated for five days before the sale became public. Yeah. Yeah. Whoever was doing this knew this was happening before it hit public record. Right. And they really took that and used it to their advantage. Mm -hmm. They were able to, you know, th that first letter, it would have had more impact if the Woodses had shared it initially. But that first letter really did make it seem like, you know, how could they possibly know this? But I, yeah. I agree with you. I, I feel that they, you know, this information landed right. in someone's lap accidentally and they decided to capitalize on it. Right. Well, what if you are, you know, not of sane mind and <laughs> you yeah. find out that someone in the neighborhood is selling their home to someone who 
made your life miserable, that is the last person you would ever want to see move back into your town. And maybe that first letter was the first revenge letter, you know, because they really were furious with the Woodses for selling that house in the first place. Right. And And, and and for selling it to her, you know, and then on and on to that wench Maria. Yeah. Yeah. That wench Maria. I know that's pretty telling. Mm -hmm. So that's the story of the watcher house. It's pretty wild. It is, but there's nothing supernatural here. There's nothing evil. This was definitely perpetrated by a person. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Quite the writer. Yeah. I'd love to, I'd love to uh, read their work. <laughs> yeah. Some of it's just hilarious, though, how dramatic it comes across. Oh, yeah. The illness. Mildly ill, and, and you'll be fine, but it'll happen every day. You know, like, I, it just cracks me up. Well, basic things that happen to everyone, you know. Yeah. A pet dies, a loved one dies, a car yeah. wreck. Well, Everybody has things like that that happen in their life. It would be easy right. then to go, the watcher did it, you know. Right. It was just that it was you just know, the way paranoia into their heads about it. That was mm-hmm. that's the skill. Yeah. Well, they were creating paranoia and it was working, you know. Yeah. It worked not that I can blame Derek and Maria for not moving into the house. But you know, oh, like I, I told my daughter, happened. yeah, I probably would have moved in and called their bluff, but mm-hmm. maybe I wouldn't have. It's easy to say that when it's not you. It it is it is, but I feel like I probably would have too. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. A very interesting case. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll leave this here. Don't forget, we have live sh- or well, brand new shows Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of this week, and then we'll be back Wednesday night live for case updates, and we have some good ones this week we do. Uh, for for current cases, and then Thursday night, of course, for the psychic hour. Now, don't forget, if you would like to learn more about us, head over to truecrimeparanormalpodcast.com. You can suggest a case. You could get readings from either one of us. You can see our merch. You can join our mailing list. You can see all of our work there. There's lots to uh, explore on our site. Mm -hmm. We have a Patreon. You can look at it from there as well if you'd like to get a little extra content from us and support the work we're doing. That would be the way to do that, and we appreciate it so much. And as always, like, comment, share, help give us a signal boost, if you will. Uh, If you like what we're doing, that helps us a lot. So, all righty, guys, thanks so much for being here. You've been listening to True Crime Paranormal with Psychic Sisters. Bye, guys. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can always like and subscribe there as well. We also love comments and reviews. True Crime Paranormal is hosted by Katie Weaver and Christy Brower and produced by Christy Brower. True Crime Paranormal is a short girl productions podcast.